Soft Errors with Michael Levchik. Welcome to the Mastering Embedded Systems Podcast, Episode 17. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Mastering Embedded Systems Podcast. I am Georg Lohrer, and this is the podcast about realizing and managing your projects within the embedded systems realm. It's where I give you the know-how and teach you the ways to succeed and overcome your daily obstacles and problems in project work. Do you have heard about soft errors? I do not mean software errors. If not, welcome to the club. I was confronted the first time with this phenomenon of soft errors in late 2011. One customer complained about an instant, unforeseen reset of one of his appliances. At that time, I was responsible for the root cause analysis, and what the, that was the reason to dive very deeply into this kind of physical errors, error of soft errors. Although I am an IT engineer, my natural curiosity pushed me into a total unknown area. I have observed that most of the people I have discussed this situation with were not even aware of the so-called soft errors. It's regularly mistaken as a software error. But as you will hear today in this episode, it's not an error in the software. The error in the software is only a result, a symptom of the soft error. Sounds interesting, doesn't it? When you feel the same as me. For this particular topic, I have invited one of the very seldom specialists available for soft errors. Michal Levchik was one of my colleagues in 2011 and the years after. He was the main investigator for all soft errors issues we suspected. Michal has a deep knowledge in bare metal software programming. Michal is mainly engaged into developing software for digital signal processors. Thus, he is not only an elaborated and experienced software engineer, but also a great investigator and a marvelous bug hunter. Let's directly jump into it and let's welcome Michal. Enjoy the interview, stay tuned and be inspired. Michal, what are soft errors? So, soft errors are like uh this is kind of error that can appear to microprocessor uh which is this is not an error that uh is permanent uh, to the chip so this is not any kind of damage it's an error that uh appears once it's seen once but then uh the the processor can like still work it's uh, not damaged anyway, anyway. and uh, some from what we've known and what, what the research shows, uh, software errors are a kind of phenomenon which is caused by either some kind of radiation or, or some kind of uh, particles that uh, move around. And as processor is uh, built of transistors and those transistors are uh, with the technology getting smaller and smaller like 35 or 22 uh, nanometers so when the uh, charged particle hits the gate of the transistor uh, 
it causes it to flip, to change its state. And this is in this way, uh, the like one bit is shifted. So when you have like a word in memory of processor, then one of the bits uh, changes its value either from zero to one or one to zero. Most more common transition, at least that we've seen, is uh, the positive one, so from zero to one. But I think that there is like no rule in this, yeah, and uh, the division is like hard errors and soft errors. Hard errors are actually the actual is the actual damage to the silicon. So when one of those tiny transistors is burned and it gets stuck with one value, so it's like permanent zero or permanent one. Uh, and software is like something that suddenly during the working of the program, one of the bits without any uh, any logical explanations just changes the value. Yeah, and those errors are like really really hard to track. It, so, it sounds it sounds really weird to hear that because it imagines that it might happen every moment or out of nowhere. So it's where do these do these particles come from? What what does it mean particles here? Uh, so yeah, those particles actually come from sun. Uh, so sun as as a star. Uh, generates lots of radiation in different uh, ranges, in different uh, wavelengths. And uh, those particles that come, uh, yeah, they are like all around us, uh, as well as like the natural radiation of everything uh, mm -hmm. we have. Uh, yes, and those errors can can happen totally out of nowhere, but mostly they are just not noticed anyway. Because, okay. yeah, okay. like most often in most of devices where when you have some kind of spontaneous reset or, or some kind of crash, uh, you just reset it and forget about it. And if it works anyway, then you don't care. Okay, so, but, but, but if I imagine my... My television screen downstairs, it's uh, something like, I think, two times a week, it's resetting out of nowhere. So sh do I have to imagine that this is always caused by this kind of soft error and radiated particles? Uh, so I would say no. I would say that uh, if there's like this big uh, repetitive, repetitive, repetitiveness of, of the error, Mm -hmm. It's rather some kind of software or hardware bug, uh, okay. because the probability uh, of such uh, you know, probability of soft error to happen is actually really low. So, uh, as I've said, those can be those particles uh, are all over around us, but uh, they have to heat the transistor in the chip with uh, sp uh, specified angle and they have to have specified speed. So like the probability of such thing to happen for one processor is really low and those uh, 
those errors actually can be observed, like when you produce uh, thousands or hundreds thousands of devices. Oh, okay. And mm-hmm. then from time to time, like once in a month or once in a few months, uh, if you have like really good uh, debugging tools which can collect, allow you to collect all the crash info, then you can spot something like this. So you, nobody of us has to expect that this kind of soft error happens in this daily ele- electronic equipment all the time and that you are a victim of the soft errors. No, no. I, I would say that uh, in most of the, the equipment that even if this happens, probably nobody would notice it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and actually, in all this and all other equipment that uh, is meant to like work for uh, some very difficult conditions or it's safety related, uh, then those chips actually are having some kind of uh, prevention systems and uh, either automotive or telecommunications or medical equipment is. Uh, yeah, the software and the hardware uh, for those purposes actually is uh, at least trying to to work with those those softwares to uh, who handle those when they happen. The, uh, that that means the it the, if they occur, if the soft error occur, we are visible. How could we observe these soft errors? You already mentioned one part with the there might be a spontaneous reset or similar. Yeah, so uh, so from the user perspective, uh, from from the end user perspective, uh, the result is uh, like reset, probably reset or some kind of hang, mm-hmm. uh, hanging of, of the device. But uh, actually, soft error because it can happen uh, like there's... Uh, Every processor has this memory area, uh, which is some kind of divided for the data, for the program. And software is very random, uh, uh, very random stuff. So actually this can happen on, on every address of this memory. And depending on what happens, if it's uh, either it's data uh, or it's program, mm-hmm. so the results can be uh, quite different. So when this is some kind of media stuff, where there is some kind of stream going on, either if it's voice or video, and the software happens on the data, which is just part of stream, then it's completely not visible because like uh, one word uh, in a stream is actually something that normal user wouldn't uh, yeah wouldn't observe at all. Mm-hmm. But if it happens yeah. in the program memory, uh, then there happen usually happen some kind of exceptions in the uh, CPU, which result in usually just in reset of the device. But if I imagine it's it's happening in the program part or in yeah in the program part of the of the memory uh, or where, where the program resides and if it toggles a bit there and but the processor is not even using this address so it's not running in that part it's not observed and might even with the next uh, k- 
cache uh, invalidation, it might be it might be replaced, and then you do not even observe it at all. Is it like that then? Yes, yes, exactly. So, uh, the like the circumstances for the actual crash to happen, and there have to be fulfilled lots of stuff. So not uh, only the software okay. has to appear, yeah, but the program counter has to uh, enter the address where the software happened and if it's some kind of part of code that's not used at all or it's used very rarely so it won't be seen it, it can be not seen for a long time or it like if it happens in uh, cached uh, memory so it can just be validated and be gone and not standing anyhow this really sounds yeah a little bit, yeah, and more or less unbelievable here. But anyway, and as you have seen, do, do you, at the moment you have seen this kind of error the first time. Um, we both were together in in the same project, and uh, I remember we were rather rather astonished about it. And what was it on your side? How do you have felt in this situation? Yeah, so. Firstly, it was like really, real headache because we are <laughs> yes. uh, having, <laughs> having a case which uh, we are investigating some kind of bug report uh, from the field, and uh, like when all the options that that we've had and we've checked uh, every line of code which could cause any damage, and this issue was not reproducible at all. But we still had to provide some kind of explanation. Mm -hmm. And after quite a long time of investigation, then uh, somebody had told that like issues like those are observable and those can happen. Mm -hmm. And first okay. of all, first it was like, yeah, surprise. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we are struggling in here for, for a long time and, and we should also... Uh, not only look for the bugs in the code or for the issues with the hardware, but we should also expect uh, that this can just, you know, uh, some kind of cosmic rays can mm -hmm. uh, cause the chips to crash or to reset or, or to do some kind of unexpected behavior. Uh -huh. Yeah, so this, this was real, like, yeah, a surprise and, and astonishment that, you know, something like this can happen. And it's not like just a fairy tale story, uh, because like during the studies, I've heard that uh, the chips that are used in in some kind of uh, cosmic stuff, yeah, that mm -hmm. are sent to space, where the radiation is much higher because like we are not protected by the atmosphere. Yes, and those chips are having some kind of special uh, means to preserve something like this. There are few cores which do the same operations and then uh, the result of the operation is arbitrarily chosen from few of those but I didn't expect any of this to actually happen to, to me in my career <laughs> as long as I wasn't working with NASA or <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, but you were already on the lucky side because you have heard about that the already in former times, you haven't remembered it or not not uh, not taken it into account. However, I was really 
standing there and I was completely flushed by the situation. I said, what the hell is going on? And when I detected that there is, it looks like there are only two different kind of persons, either the ones who already know it and say, yes, yes, that's available. And the other ones who absolutely don't have any clue and there is nothing in between, not someone, yeah, I have heard about it. No, no, it's either the one or the other. So if you meet guys who have never heard about it, it sounds quite unbelievable. Yeah, so uh, when like you, you give someone, uh, especially like some kind of manager or client, a customer explanation like this, uh, they look at you with this <laughs> like thing on their face that says that they don't believe you. They, they think that you're just trying to hide some errors yes. or you're not, <laughs> you're sure. not actually able to track the, the bug which is somewhere over there mm. and yeah it's actually in this case it, it, it's some kind of this kind of thinking makes sense because when there's uh, a bug which you've been tracking for like long time and you cannot reproduce it uh, so yeah like saying that you know this is a software or this can just happen mm. and there's no fault on our side sounds like very good excuse for not continuing on this research anymore yeah it sounds like a free lift all the time yeah so yep. it's yeah but on the other side it's what you just mentioned is i think very important to remember um, that these kind of errors are completely unpredictable we are not foreseeable and we are of course not repetitive so there is no uh, opportunity no way to um, to to uh, to do it again yeah exactly so it's not possible like this happens in some kind of field tests or anywhere so it's not possible to reproduce it by any kind of uh, testing team unless they are having some kind of I don't know, proton acceleration stuff. Mm. Uh, and this is just one shot uh, scenario. And yeah, one, one, one way of finding out those and detecting those uh, is having uh, well-developed uh, debugging uh, procedures which can gather uh, dumps of memory for further investigation and it's like only analyzing uh, some kind of trails from those dumps mm -hmm. uh, is the only way uh, actually to track those errors. Uh, but you are you are more or less or you are exclusively on the digital signal processor side, so on the DSP side. And as far as I remember, you have quite good and very elaborated tools to provide that kind of uh, of details. How it how is it done? How do you detect this kind of soft error? Uh, so, are you meaning like hardware equipment or uh, software methods? Uh, more or less the software. I think from the hardware side, you have some kind of mm -hmm. hardware debugger connected, or more. So yeah. So from the uh, some from the software side, uh, it's it's the matter of having uh, well designed. Uh, error and exception handler uh -huh. and uh, every time when uh, when a crash happens or when an error is detected 
the processor actually dumps uh, all the critical areas of the memory. So it dumps like the most important uh, system data structures uh, as well as uh, the whole internal in, internal uh, memory program and data. Uh, yeah, and then this all this data is stored to some kind of external uh, memory, and then it's provided for analysis. And using the, the software simulator of the chip, uh, we can actually check step by step what the processor was doing, and Yep. Okay, so it, it means you have to really dive very deeply onto the assembler level to get it bit by bit or by um, nemo code after nemo code to understand what's going on. Uh, exactly so. Uh, lots, lots of chips have this kind of hardware, uh, hardware part which is responsible for tracing the processor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's actually it's connected to the uh, program uh, program bus uh, which goes to the CPU and it stores uh, like trace of every instruction that was performed by processor and then it comes the time uh, because this issue can happen uh, with the release code so mm -hmm. you cannot just look at it uh, in some kind of higher level language as it was debugged, but you just have to follow the assembly lines one by one, uh, dive into the uh, instructions of of the CPU, what, what they are meant to do, and then there, there happens the time that you see that there is some instruction which is supposed to do something, but the program flow is actually quite different than expected. Uh, let let me as, as far as I know, you also have written um, the the code in a more abstract language, so C, C plus plus, or whatsoever. So the assembler code which is provided is already translated out of the statements of the higher abstract language. So that means regularly what. Um, a dedicated statement in the abstract language is not directly translated into one assembler uh, statement. You have lots of them, for example. And how do you then distinguish between uh, the correct program flow and the not correct pro program flow? Only on the assembler level, do you need to know what it is? Or is there some other support? So from what we've used, it was the knowledge of the as of assembler. Oh, okay. Uh, because yeah, when when you have the code compiled in in the debug flavor, uh, you have at least this help that uh, every every like C or C plus plus line is uh, can be uh, mapped with some amount of assembly lines. Mm -hmm. But you can uh, like go way back from the assembler to C. But uh, when you're then providing a release code, yeah, it's highly it's optimized, yeah, yeah. and then it's like few lines of C code can be uh, actually done in in less lesser n number of assembly instructions if the processor architecture allows you to do so. Mm -hmm. So it's like only you look at the, the C code, you know what it should be doing, 
and then you you dive into the assembler. Ah, okay. Ah, okay. You make an on the fly, um, yeah. Let's say assembling of the of the C code. You see, there is a while statement, and then you say that must be some kind of loading a processor variable or loading loading a register with a value, and then decrementing or incrementing depends on, and uh, then making a conditional jump, something like that. Exactly. Okay. Okay, good. I see. And then, how do you? Ah, okay. And if then a bit changes, I assume it's quite challenging to find out where exactly it was because you have you you don't have a reference, or do you? You only have the weirdness of the of that something going wrong. But or, or do you have the original code compiled into uh, assembler uh, in the on the release level, and you take that simply as a comparison? Uh, so the the other option you've mentioned. Okay. So you can because uh, the, the original release code you you can always run and trace and, mm -hmm. and check how it actually should behave uh, in normal conditions. Okay. Okay. And, and then you can compare it with with the program flow mm -hmm. uh, in, in different scenario which which you have like traced, and then you can see. Like we, we've observed situations when we were looking at the dissect sequence, mm -hmm. because like we are having the dumps from the registers of the CPU, and we are knowing what were what were the actual. It's like going back, so you yeah. you have the dumps from the moment that the processor has crashed, mm -hmm. and you know what were the values of the registers, and then you go step by step backwards. On the program, uh, mm. on the program run, mm -hmm. and then you, you are going to some kind of deadlock because we've seen that uh, this shouldn't have happened okay. yeah, because, yeah. like, with these states of, of the registers and this sequence of orders, like this behavior is not possible okay. in normal ways. But that sounds really an expert's work. Yeah, it does not sound like rookie work. Yeah, so it it requires like experience with the processor. You mm -hmm. you have to know the, the architecture of processor. You have to be uh, familiar uh, with the assembler, and as as well as as the debugging techniques uh, of how actually all those peripherals like this tracing stuff uh -huh. works and what it actually does. Yeah. So. Yeah, only on a few of, of the guys in our team were actually taking care of such such stuff. Yeah, yeah, I remember that always. The, if if it comes to this uh, soft error, let's say, yeah, suspicion, um, it were always the same guys addressed. <laughs> but now, <laughs> yes. now I know why. Yeah, so it knows. Uh, it it needs a particular deep amount of uh, of knowledge about. The whole situation—it's not in the, uh, enough to know the C code. Yeah, uh, ages away. Yeah, so like I think that lots of or mo most of developers, when they hear assembler, they are already like frightened, and and there's really <laughs> narrow amount of, of guys who actually specialize in in doing something with it. Mm. Uh, that f for very especially young engineers, it sounds also old-fashioned. Yeah? So assembler—that's mm -hmm. what the guys have done 30 years ago. 
But in fact, uh, assembler is still valid. So every compiler produces assembler code or at least uh, operational code for the processor that's then memorized um, for, um, for the assembler that you can read it directly. Uh, in f in fact, it produces directly the binary stuff for the for the processor. Okay, Michael. But anyway, so this is a very interesting insight of that one. But I think um, you have at uh, some minutes ago you mentioned already some details how you have treated soft errors. How how do you have managed to handle them? So both in from the analysis point, we already have discussed, but. Uh, was there any chance to capture it or to, to handle it during runtime? Uh, so during runtime, there are some kind of, from the software side, uh, there are some kind of software routines uh, that are meant to uh, not catch the, the software errors, but are meant to provide stability mm -hmm. uh, even when the software occurs. Uh, I've had at least a little bit to do uh, with the safety uh, classes of software. And in there, there are like uh, special paradigmas of writing the code uh, to be like more resistant to any kind of uh, memory damage. So even if the memory part of memory is damaged, the code has to be written uh, the way that mm -hmm. it still won't uh, at least do any dangerous stuff. I see. It's, mm -hmm. It happens. Um, but still, the software side is like the amount of possibilities very lim limited. And uh, there are very good and, and well-developed ways of uh, finding out and dealing with software, software on the hardware side. And, and how? So one one of the things is uh, calculating checksums uh, from the memory. Mm -hmm. uh, there are depending on the silicon vendor, those uh, peripherals are called different ways, but they all work the same. So uh, for some page of of the memory, uh, there's calculated a checksum, uh, and depending on the length of the checksum and the uh, detection possibility uh, of this code of this calculation is like one bit per uh, 20, 256 uh, bytes or something like this and it can either detect uh, that the software occurred or a toggle of bit had occurred in some uh, unexpected way and uh, if the uh, checksum is long enough, it can also uh, provide already the correction on the fly. Mm -hmm. uh, so even if if the software had occurred, the corrected bit, the, 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 yeah, the toggled bit will be corrected and there will be special fl flag raised in the core of the CPU that such an event had happened. But that, that means for, for DSPs most likely, not for other processors or uh, yeah, so I've also heard about such of peripherals in uh, other kinds of microcontrollers. Okay. It, I think it's not DSP related, it's rather uh, related with the field of application of the processor. I see. 
-hmm. So if there are like processors uh, for yeah some kind of uh, high level of uh, of security involved, then they are having uh, the peripherals like this. And as I've told, different vendors call it different way, but it's always based on uh, checking the memory from time to time and checking if it wasn't changed uh, by a different way than some kind of DMA or CPU access. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, I I assume that's uh, something, yeah, that, that should regularly, it should be enabled by default. I assume it, it it looks like this kind of errors could happen everywhere, but then it should be enabled that we can detect or even correct this kind of soft errors all the time. Uh, yeah, but like it's it requires some particular amount of effort for the application uh, to handle this because one thing is when the hardware can correct it on the fly. But uh, it's also the possible scenario is that hardware can only detect error and then the handling of the error has to be uh, done on the software side. And then uh, all the routines that will uh, retrieve the, the proper flow of the program and handle this uh, scenario are, can be quite complicated depending on, on the, the level of system complication. Mm -hmm. So in in some applications, it's just not not worth to do it mm. because uh, there's like no need uh, from the application uh, to to handle such scenarios. Like nothing will happen uh, if like you know your mobile will just reset from time to time. It actually it's <laughs> they do. Yes. So. <laughs> now I got the I got the guilty one. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> and and I I've heard like about things like silent resets that yeah and they can uh, you know reset without even notifying the like the GSM module in the mobile can reset without even notifying anyone that happens. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, but if this is you know some kind of automotive, so if it's either it's a machine yeah. which which can damage someone. Or it's uh, yeah, or it's some kind of you know like washing machine yeah, where there's electricity and hot water mixed together. Yeah, so mm -hmm. in in such situations, uh, cases yeah, every, every everything like this has to be handled. So there are okay. scenarios that uh, it's not possible for the software just to crash and and do nothing. That would be a headline: washing machine crashing. Due to soft error, <laughs> it might be really, really weird. Um, but uh, I think the, or the one question that pops up in my mind here is now: How could this kind of software errors then be distinguished from other seldom errors? So my washing machine regularly does not getting damaged in any way. So I would be really astonished. Okay, if it's an electromechanical wash machine that only has these these clicking switches inside, you don't have the problem because there is no electronics inside. But if you have an electronically controlled washing machine that nowadays we already meanwhile have internet connections or whatsoever, um, how do this um, how do these kind of uh, errors could be distinguished from breaking of the hardware or other kind of Seldom errors. 
so, so once again, the repetitiveness of the error is the key. Okay. Uh, because if this is a hard error, then once it happens, then it will repeat all the time. Mm-hmm. Because the silicon is broken and uh, performing every kind of test should uh, give you like 100% of re- re- repetitivity of this issue. Uh, when this is a software issue, yeah, so software bugs are, can be more tricky. Like there can be some kind of time dependencies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still, if this issue is like repeatable, then uh, you can be sure that this is not a soft error. Mm-hmm. And like soft errors, th- this is one thing that, uh, yeah, this is the one condition that has to be fulfilled for someone to at least have suspicion of soft error. This is that this was one occurrence issue. Because okay, even yeah. if the soft error occurs on uh, on the same chip, uh, the probability of it to be the same is like very close to zero because there's like those millions of transistors and mm-hmm. the probability that exactly the same one will be toggled twice is like very, very low. So, or in other words, if you observe two times a reset in short time frame, so after another or with a shortest distance, you can most likely with a very high probability completely exclude soft errors as a cause, even if you don't know the cause for the reset. Yes, yes. If, if it has repeated at least once, mm-hmm. then I would then move the, the soft error like to the end of the list of suspicions. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I see. Yeah, because as, as you mentioned before, this is a very, uh, especially from the customer perspective, this is then, of course, a very um, yeah comfortable a, um, excuse you can raise from the software or hardware development perspective Uh, because it's that easy. You, you you do not have to explain furthermore. There is nothing else. You can simply declare it as soft error and then it's done. But if you have suddenly uh, some kind of, um, let's say, increase of the occurrence of soft errors, not if it occurs on the, soft, on the same machine, it's definitely not a soft error. We have just clarified. But what about if this kind of occurrences might happen or might increase not on the not on the same machine but on different machines you have located in in the same area for example or in the same location how how is it then uh yeah so like th- this is what we've observed that uh when we've had lots of devices which were placed all around, all around the the globe and then we noticed like a uh, higher amount of issues like this coming from one particular place in one particular time. And uh, as I've said at the beginning, the, the softwares are caused by the natural effects like radiation. And yeah, so this was the time when I started to just not be a simple developer or a bug hunter, yeah, but I had to like run the internet and search for 
uh, any kind of natural factors that can happen, like solar storms or mm-hmm. like power plant explosions, which would increase the, the <laughs> amount of radiation. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we don't hope that. So crossing fingers here. So, but yeah, you're right. That that might be a cause. Yeah, I see. Yeah, but of of course it's very hard to prove anyway. Uh-huh. So this was like still some kind of hypothesis uh, with, with some kind of facts which were like more or less correlated with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but this still stays like in in the area of suspicion. Mm, yeah, I see. Um, but it's it's simply very some uh, some increase of the of the occurrence rate, but it's still on a very very low level. What uh, it's uh, if if you are talking, for example, about several ten thousand of 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 items or entities there, um, how often does it occur? Do you have some? some numbers here so out of mind uh yeah so because we are having some kind of analysis uh, provided by silicon vendor mm-hmm. as well as with uh, dick uh, with dark to some kind of phds uh, which were written on on this actual matter so there there is like some kind of specified probability for this to happen for one chip which is very low but then when you when you multiply it by hundreds of thousands mm-hmm. then it appears that uh if we had error like this like once in few weeks then it was quite probable that it will happen okay okay i see yeah okay it's yeah it, it the probability multiplies then uh, and then you might observe it quite often if you have a central perspective when you might observe it um uh, more often okay i see but okay yeah so for all the ones who are engaged into, um, yeah, for example, mobiles, okay, very already have excluded it because uh, it might occur anyway when the system resets, but nobody cares for it. Or someone cares, but it happens that often, but it's not that uncommon. Um, but if you have, um, yeah, for example, in, in avionics or in aircrafts, you might have expe- especially this situation, but there we are especially protected or yeah, or it's uh, with redundancy, it's covered there, as, as, as you mentioned in aircrafts, for example. Yeah, yeah. another manner of checking it and providing even more safety is, is redundancy of the, of the CPUs. Mm-hmm. And it brings like the, the highest uh, safety because even when one uh, of few CPUs is down, then uh, the results of its calculations are just ignored and as if it's never has been and all the others carry on with the work. And mm. this is how it's done in the uh, most issue, uh, safety-related uh, matters. I'm just thinking of the manufacturers of hard pacemakers. So um, they, they are quite complicated embedded systems inside of a pacemaker for your heart. And I don't know, I, ha- I, I hope that they are taking care of this kind of soft areas. I, I don't want to have a pacemaker and then suddenly, yeah, sorry, there was a malfunction of your pacemaker, it was a soft error, <laughs> sorry for that, but you get a new one. <laughs> oh, it's too late. Oh, yeah, okay. Good. <laughs> so, yeah, so as far as I know, the, the medical industry is also like having very strict regulations and, and norms. Uh, yeah. Uh, when you want to 
develop any, any kind of equipment to the market, uh-huh. then you have to like fulfill lots of requirements. Uh-huh. And I think that stuff like this also mm-hmm. taken care in there. Uh, Michael, I've just, uh, as, as I mentioned, that one here. How ca- if if you do anything anything for the uh, for this kind of prevention and the handling of if it occurs if the soft area occurs you do something how could you test that because you cannot provoke it or can you provoke it the the soft area no no uh, w- without like uh, when we were reading those materials yeah and I've seen the pictures of the guys who are having like a big uh, proton generator. Okay. aimed at the silicon but in like most or all, all normal uh, laboratories it's not possible to, to reproduce it or provoke it anyway okay so you might have to to fake it you might have some simulation some trigger external interrupt or anything yeah, like so, that so. Uh, so this is the way that we are testing the those safety routines this was like uh Faking the uh, faking the toggle of the bit, and okay. actually the test was like uh, when you you had this uh, this peripheral which was checking the memory turned mm. on, then you had to turn it off for for a while, manipulate with the memory, and turn it on again, and check ah. if it triggers. Okay, and th- this is this is the routine uh, to to check. Uh, if all the uh, actions taken then work and, and if, if like all those safety stuff works properly. But uh, w- what is also possible, you can also use like either a hardware debugger or a chip emulator, which is mm-hmm. even more effective for such issues. Because uh, like different silicon vendors Accept chips. They they provide emulators, and in emulator you can actually hold the CPU, and using the emulator you can uh, simulate like various of effects, okay. which is not only uh, like triggering of, of the uh, single bits, but you can also simulate some effects like aging of the flash mm-hmm. uh, memory, and then uh, that some of the addresses won't be accessible or, or stuff like this. Okay. So yeah, using special hardware uh, like emulators, it's, it's possible to uh, simulate like very wide variety of, of uh, microcontroller behaviors. Okay, I see. Michael, we already have achieved here over 40 minutes and, uh, and I f- for, uh, if we want to come to the end here, I want to ask you what exactly or what can what do you want to pass over for all the guys out there who might come into contact with soft errors but never have considered it yet how what could they what should they think what how should they handle it in the very first moment so you should be very careful with cases like this uh, because uh, yeah once Once you uh, consider think, uh, once you consider a software, the software might have happened to you. Then it's like easy way just for abandoning uh, the further investigation of the bug and blaming it on the software. And actually, 
when you want to be uh, clear of the case, you have to investigate as much as possible. And then when you've excluded all the other possibilities, uh, then it's time to consider that the software might have happened. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you, you have to be aware that things like this can happen, but uh, every case, every scenario has to be either way analyzed very carefully. And uh, like when you, you have this queue of available reasons for uh, for the bug or for the crash to happen, the software should be always the last one. And when you uh, check all the others, then you can just start thinking that it might have been it. Okay. So it's the last opportunity you should have in mind here. So. Okay. Good. Okay, Michael, many thanks to you for this very worthwhile and interesting um, episode and information from your side. Uh, it would be a pleasure to have you one time again. So I say thank you again. Thank you. It's like also great experience for me to do something like this. Yeah, great. Thank you. So far, the interview with Michael Levchik. And from this point again, many thanks to you, Michael, for spending your time with me and our listeners. In the show notes at embeddedsuccess.com slash episode 17 or embeddedsuccess.com slash soft error, I have mentioned several links for further reading about soft errors. These talks have helped me a lot to understand the phenomenon. I wanted to highlight especially the Google research document. It provides a lot of statistical hints and shows a clear perspective of the occurrence rate you can expect for soft errors. Anyway, I can imagine there might be still some open questions about soft errors. When, do not hesitate and ask your questions at the show notes or at embeddedsuccess.com slash feedback. Michael and myself will be doing our best to assist you. Or, the other way around, you already know soft errors when we would be very happy if you would share your experiences and tell us your story at the show notes embeddedsuccess.com slash episode 17. By the way, I would enjoy that you share this very informative interview with your friends and your social network. You can click on the like or share buttons to tweet or forward this story to your preferred channel. Simply visit the show notes. I would be very happy if you do that. Thanks a lot already now. Now I've given you some of the know-how and some of the ways to gracefully handle your embedded systems projects. It's time for you to take these details into your daily work for achieving your passion and finding success. I'm Georg Lohrer from the Mastering Embedded Systems podcast. Thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs>